What? I have to wait six months for the next thing. What? I have to wait a year. And this one, I want to say it was like a year it, and a half. It was. It was a big break oh. for them to come up with crap. Exactly. Exactly. What were the writers thinking? You're listening to The Sociable Scribes, two professional writers who work hard, play hard, and love to have fun on the job. Word stylist Nikita Rouse-Stevens and publishing consultant Kim Ely talk about the topics and questions they hear most often from their clients. Let's talk about writing, the good, the bad, and the awesome, while addressing popular questions and concerns from real writers like you. If you're a writer, someone who aspires to write, or just wants to learn more about writing and publishing and have a lot of fun along the way, welcome to the tribe. Here are your hosts, Nikita and Kim. Two writers who love to socialize. This sociable scribes. So, Nikita, what is behind your curtain this week? Oh my goodness! So, very fresh in my mind is the ending of the lovely, wonderful series Game of Thrones, <laughs> and um. I have to share the sentiments of the millions of people that have now filed a petition mm-hmm. for this show um, to change the ending because mm-hmm. it was so horrible. Um, I'm just, I'm so disappointed. It, I'm right there with you. I I was good. I want to go down and say that Game of Thrones is probably arguably one of the best series ever made. Seriously, I absolutely have been in love with it. And I was that early adapter. Mm-hmm. I just started watching it um, maybe two seasons ago and I binge watched. I mean, got on my ah. husband's nerves because every time <laughs> he walked in the door, I was watching the episode of Game of Thrones. I binge watched and I was so hooked on the show. Yeah. And for them to take so skillfully build these characters the way they did. Right. And to end it the way they did. Right. I just, I, I'm, I'm disappointed and, you know, I'm a little pissed. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, that, that that's also what I'm feeling right okay. now. Okay. Because <laughs> so, so I had um, heard of um, Song of Ice and Fire. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Because that was, you know, George R.R. R. Martin yeah. wrote it. And um, so one of my good friends, um, Mike, is, it was a, a huge fan of the books before the series came out. So when we knew the series was coming out, um, we we're like, oh, awesome. So uh, my husband Jerry and I were both like, yay. So we started watching it from day one. Okay. Which honestly, you did it the smarter way because they would take such big breaks in between seasons oh. that it would be like, what? I have to wait six months for the next thing. What? I have to wait a year. And this one, I want to say it was like a year it, and a half. It was. It was a big break oh. for them to come up with crap. Exactly. Exactly. Like, what were the writers thinking? I think. And I, we have the authority to say yes. that. Yes. Our writer is like, what That's in the world? Right. Exactly. So I know part probably part of the issue was that George R.R. R. Martin has not finished the series. Like he's been uh, notorious for being really pokey for writing. So he hasn't even, so what happened was the writers for the show had, had to create 
the next events that would happen because the book stopped, I want to say, maybe at, like, season five. Well, that really shows the quality of their writers then, doesn't it? The, the, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But they were doing so well like, up to season your eight. writers should be good enough to build something that's going to be in conjunction to the story. Yes. Like, oh, It just went so left field. It just, yeah. I hope the petition wins and that they actually have to read <laughs> They need to redo. You need a mulligan. Redo. There we go. So are you going to sign the petition? I'm going to sign it. Are you going to sign it? I think I'm going to sign it. it too. Let's sign <laughs> okay. it. Okay. Because the show is too good for them to ruin it this way. I agree. Yeah. So. They got to do it again. Do over. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and now it's time for Gregarious Goofballs. All right. So it's time for... Gregarious Goofballs! So Nikita, what what story do you have for us today? Well, mine is really fresh because it just happened. (laughs) (laughs) And you can relate because you got to experience this. I was here! You were here! (laughs) So let me bring you guys up to speed. So we we do a lot of our recordings here in in my house. And my husband um, is working during the day. And, um, usually he doesn't come home for lunch because he's been going through some training. So he's been had a very stringent schedule. So I don't expect to see him around lunchtime, but we were, you know, kind of just doing some setup and I heard some keys jingling and I swore (laughs) I heard a door and I'm like, Kim, did you hear something? She's like, I swore I heard her door close. Yeah. And I went into my bedroom and I look up, don't see his car. (laughs) And I'm like, okay, I think it was, I saw our neighbors getting in next door because we live in a townhouse. I was like, maybe, I think it was our neighbors. And she's like, okay. Then the next thing I know, I hear, do you hear that? She's like, yes. I'm like, you're coming downstairs with me. And I'm looking for like a weapon because I'm like, and I'm like, I was yelling, right? Hello? Hello? Is anybody? Nobody said anything. <laughs> I was freaking out. Oh, my God. And all of a sudden, my husband's coming upstairs like, what? <laughs> I was ready to take a bat to you, man. He's oh, like, my God. He's like, I saw the door was half closed, so I thought you guys were maybe recording. I'm like, dude, we were in here freaking out. Oh, we were totally freaking out. And I can tell you really were. You were looking around like, what do I have here that I can do? I was looking for a Somebody with. Oh my gosh, that was such a trip. But my favorite was the way you were like, hello, hello. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Poor Derek, I'm glad we didn't sneak up on him. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, we, were, we already know from previous from Gary's Falls that he has done that. Hello. <laughs> That's right. <Yes. laughs> That's true. <laughs> This is recent. Oh, gosh. So I went to meet with a potential client. So I went to the um, Omni Hotel in Richmond. It's a nice hotel. It's a great place. This is sort of a double goofball incident. So uh, we were supposed to meet. There's a Starbucks in the hotel. So I'm supposed to meet my client at the Starbucks. Um, Get there. There's been a power outage. So the Starbucks is closed. 
So I text the potential client. I say, hey, can we meet somewhere else? I end up walking and we meet somewhere else. I'm, I want to use that as my excuse for why what happens next happens. <laughs> so we had a good meeting and I'm walking back to the Omni and I'm going to the parking garage and I can't remember where I parked. Oh, gosh. <laughs> So I decided to be cute that day. So I'm wearing espadrilles that yeah. have a heel to them. Yeah. So, I mean, they're okay, like comfort wise, but not when you walk the entire parking garage. Oh, jeez. Twice. Oh, I developed a blister. I'm hobbling around the parking garage. I had to go into the office and talk to the guy. And he drove me around in his <laughs> golf cart while we looked for my car. <laughs> I felt so stupid. I'm like, oh my gosh. And he was very kind. He goes, Oh, this happens three or four times a day. I'm like, what? bless you for saying that. Oh my god. And the irony is I almost always have a park in a parking garage. I'll use my phone and I'll take a picture of the number of the space. Okay. So I didn't do that because I'm like, oh, it's number forty two hundred. I'll remember that. Blah blah. Go back, and the guy and I are driving around, and I go, well, just go to space 4200, and we go there. Not my space. I remembered the wrong number. <laughs> so let that be a lesson to you all. <laughs> no matter how confident you are in the moment you part, when you come back a couple hours later. How long did it take you to find your car? It, well, I... <laughs> It's sad to say I spent about 40 minutes just being stubborn as I'll get out walking around the garage before I finally was like, I'm going to the office. And then after that, I think it took us about 20 minutes. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I got to tell Nikita. Oh, my God. It's crazy. The good news is we found my car eventually. I'm glad you found your car. And the bad news is I had to wear a Band-Aid on the back of my heel because oh. I had worn such a blister. Ugh. Yeah, so That's I didn't forget that lesson very quickly. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. Stop. All right, Nikita, I am so excited yes. for our next guest. So I am excited to introduce... Valley Haggard. So Valley has written in short and long form for all of her life. She's a big fan of the postcard, the six-word memoir. Can't wait to hear about that. I know, right? I have definitely have questions about that. And drawers filled with un unfinished manuscripts. Oh gosh, can we ever relate to that? Yes. <laughs> she has slept in tents. Hostels, motels, coaches, oh, couches. <laughs> um, tool sheds, log cabins, bunk beds, and ship bowels for short periods of time. And the house she grew up in much longer than that. Oh, that's good to know. Because if you grew up in the tool shed, that would be really intense. <laughs> she, lived, she has lived in Virginia, New York, Italy, ciao, uh, Colorado, Arkansas, and Alaska, holding jobs as a Waffle House waitress, dude ranch cabin girl. That sounds fun. I know, isn't that awesome? Cruise ship uh, stewardess and hotel maid. She has written book reviews, author interviews, and first column, uh, first person columns. Um, judged fiction contests and fellowships, and sat on nonprofit 
writing boards. She is the recipient of a Richmond Magazine 2014 Teresa Pollock Prize, a 2015 Style Weekly Women in the Arts Award, and the winner of a 2018 James River Writers Emil Jenkins. Did I say Emil, that? Emil. Emil yeah. Jenkins. Thank you. Very cool. I know. So awesome. The founder of Richmond Young Writers in 2009, Valley now leads creative nonfiction marathons, workshops, and retreats for adults. She is the founder of Life in 10 Minutes, the author of The Halfway House for Writers and Surrender Your Weapons, Writing to Heal, and the co-editor of Nine Lives, a Life in 10 Minutes anthology. She has a handsome husband, a brilliant son, an addictive personality. I love you already. And a voracious appetite for all things word. So welcome to our podcast. Welcome. So much you've accomplished. Well, you know, when you stuff everything into a bio, it kind of takes out all the years of boringness and the, you know, all the wasted time and everything. You did include the Waffle House waitress. So oh, yeah. Oh, so yeah. It looks like you're pretty sort of time there. Exactly. Right. So first, we, we love the description of all the places you've lived and the jobs you've had. What's been the most interesting of those jobs? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's hard to narrow it down. I mean... They've all been such learning experiences. Yeah. I wouldn't trade my time in the restaurant world for anything. Oh, awesome. I also hope to never go back. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, one of my worst nightmares is becoming a Waffle House waitress again. I think like, I'll lose everything and become a Waffle House waitress again. <laughs> but I'm so glad I had that education. Oh, awesome. You know, as a 16-year-old. Yeah. What was the biggest thing you learned as a Waffle House waitress? Oh, my gosh. Please tip people. Oh, and and yes. don't. Okay. People would call. Uh-huh. And ask for their parents who they knew were just hanging out at Waffle House. And the parents would say, don't tell them we're here. I just say, thank you for calling your friendly Waffle House. Oh, my oh, Jesus. goodness. And, um, oh, my. Yeah. It was kind of like just so. So Waffle House is just known. I mean, cause some, you know, I, I think Waffle House, I think. Two o'clock in the morning, and mm-hmm. just got out of the club. You know, that's where you go. Yeah. So I can only imagine the interesting characters. Yeah. And so you got to tell us one quick story. Well, I will say that I was in the afternoon shift. Uh-huh. I was sixteen. I couldn't uh-huh. do the night okay. stuff. Oh, and so it was yeah, really yeah. actually kind of slow. And like I said, some of the. The customers were regulars who just hang out in a booth and drink coffee to avoid like their families for hours and then leave a small handful of change. But I was hired by a man named Bubba Hicks. Uh huh. That's an interesting name. Bubba Hicks. Does he look the way he said? Oh yeah, he did. And he was fired as the manager shortly after hiring me for drug dealing. And then um, I worked with Doris, who we called her Doris the. Bronchiosaurus. I, I, I can see her. Uh, She's very song. vivid in my mind. She had a tracheotomy. And she, she would go in the back and like smoke through her tracheotomy. Oh, no. I mean, oh, everything I went, like, I tried to get this job kind of ironically, like as an, you know, a 16 year old, but I got pretty pulled into the world for a while there. You got sucked into the Waffle House world. Yes. <laughs> 
Oh my god. Everything stereotypical that you would think about. Yeah. Just yes. make up the thing you see in the Waffle House. Yeah. I can see Doris. Oh my I'm sure I've met a Doris. Oh, yeah. Have you met a Doris? That's fascinating, totally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think I've worked yeah. with a Doris. So. <laughs> but you know, the ca- working as a cabin girl on a dude ranch and stewardess on a cruise ship, those were very interesting jobs I as well. Bet. Yeah. yeah, all of them were totally life changing experiences. Yeah. Getting to waitress in crazy places. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you can collect many, many stories. Many stories. So, yes. um, so you've been a writer since you were a, a very young person. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mostly I was a reader. <coughs> I was a reader first. And um, I've definitely said this before, and it's, uh-huh. in, it's in my books, but I told my mom when I was seven, I wanted to grow up to be a famous reader. Ah. Because I loved reading. I was oh, wow. just passionate about reading. Yeah. Um, and then I started writing. I think it's the kind of a natural extension of being an avid reader. Yeah. Is, is writing. Um, totally. So it kind of just naturally, my passion for writing turned in, uh, reading turned into writing. Yeah. Yeah. So since kind of elementary, middle school, by high school, I identified as a writer. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Very cool. So you uh, started Richmond Young Writers? Yes. Was mm-hmm. part of that um, inspiration because of your experience of yes. wanting to be the world's best reader? <laughs> well, it was. And um, and actually, I had gone to a, a summer writing program called the UVA Young Writers Workshop, which is now called at Sweetbriar. Oh, awesome. It's the summers when I was 15 and 16, and it was absolutely life-changing. Oh, awesome. I have never cried as hard in my life at leaving camp at the end of those weeks. I mean, because I knew I was treated like a writer there. They treat you like a writer, not like a kid who has a hobby. And I found my people. You know when you find your people? Yes. I found my people, and then I, I really just so confirmed what I wanted to do awesome. with my life. And I came back as a counselor a couple of years also. Oh, cool. Yeah, and so That's that awesome. um, really kind of laid the groundwork for how I would want to teach kids yeah. to treat them as writers and um, give them, like, a taste of the experience I had that just was so transformative. Oh, that's yeah, so that's awesome. awesome. I love on the website where all the kids are wearing alien masks and they said, want to do something uh, uh, interesting or something yeah. like that. I was like, what a good way to get kids to be like, what is this? Right. Well, <laughs> and, and it should be said that I'm not running Richmond Young Writers anymore. Oh, yeah. gotcha. You, I'm you no longer director. Okay, We're gotcha. still um, sister companies. I, so gotcha. when Life in 10 Minutes really started to take off, yeah. it just became too much to sure. kind of be running to... Uh, organizations administratively and oh, all of that. Yeah. So Bird Cox mm-hmm. is amazing, um, and she was my co-director. And so I, she has taken over all leadership awesome. of Richmond Young Writers. But we still share the same space. We collaborate. Um, we do events together. And oh, excellent! Yeah. Excellent! Awesome. Very cool. So okay, so in 20, 2010, you um, launched a creative nonfiction class. Yes. So can you yes. tell us a little bit like how that came about? Yeah. Desperation. <laughs> <laughs> tell us more. Well, um, I had not long before been laid off from my desk job at Style Weekly at the uh, 2008 um, uh, uh, recession. Yeah. And so a lot of people got laid off. I was one of them, and I was the health insurance carrier for the family and everything. Oh, so, man. And actually, that's kind of how Richmond Young Writers got born from that, like, oh, I'm not okay, what can I do? And that was the only thing I felt like I could do. But the other thing is I really wanted to do it, but I don't know if I would have taken that kind of risk 
if I'd had financial stability. Right. Sure. So teaching adults was another um, happy blessing from <laughs> utter desperation that came out of it because I um, I didn't think I was qualified to do it, but yeah. I had this kind of yearning to do it, and I thought, well, I'll give this a try. Yeah. And so we had a really great relationship with Black Swan Bookstore that's no oh, longer oh, at the same location yeah, yeah, but, um, yeah. at that time because I'd had a writing group there. Yeah. And so I called Nick and I said, could I teach a class at Black Swan Books? And he was like, sure. Yeah. So I started a Tuesday night creative nonfiction class and I just like opened it up on Facebook and it filled. Awesome. And it, that night leaving that class, I had that feeling of this is what I want to do with my life. Like awesome. that, you know, when there were just fireworks going off in your chest because it had been yeah. so beautiful. So profound, and the writing was so rich, and um, and actually, I still use the exact same format. Awesome. Basically, I've tweaked it a little, right. but from that first night, which it's been um, nine years now. Oh, fantastic! So, um, it, something just kind of happened that night that it was like this is it. Yeah. And so people signed up for another class, and then another one, and then I started doing two classes. And then I branched out to morning, and I was teaching all over the city, like Stir Crazy Bookstore, awesome. Stir Crazy Coffee Shop. That's my oh, favorite. Yeah. Yes. Chop Suey Books and Black Swan. And yeah. finally, um, Chop Suey was expanding. This was in 2014. So yeah. they offered Bird and I the opportunity, Ward offered us the opportunity to expand above the bookstore. Nice. So we got our own space there in 2014. Sweet. And I started teaching all my classes in one space, which yeah. was nice to kind of consolidate. Yeah, it is nice. And then in, I think it was 2017, I guess, we decided to move to get a slightly bigger space. And yeah. now we're right a, like one block outside of Carytown. Yeah. But we have our, a whole downstairs and some of an upstairs of a beautiful historic building. Nice. And so we're awesome. super happy in our new home. And, you know, I think we'll continue to expand slowly, yeah. organically, but sure. um, there's a need. Well, can you tell us for, for, for the people that are listening that may not be completely familiar with creative nonfiction, sure. can you yes. tell us a little bit about that? Great question. Yeah. So, it's the idea of taking your life and turning it into a story mm. and, and the people that you meet and making them characters mm. and the places that you go, that's your landscape. Yeah. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I, I started out as a fiction writer. I wrote fiction oh, through college wow. and, and after and love fiction, still read novels yeah. all the time. Yeah. But I had this kind of turning point where I just started to feel like, like that cliche but truth is stranger than fiction. Yeah. And I'm like, God, it's true. Because I was having all these crazy experiences, mm. meeting weird people, having these <laughs> transformations myself, noticing things. And I realized I just really wanted to write about that. If yeah. I was in such a rich world, why would I make one up? Right. And I wanted to make sense of the world that was happening. Yeah. Because it was also tragic, confusing, beautiful, mind-blowing, all of these things. Yeah. So to make sense of my own world and... Um, and so when in my creative nonfiction classes, people uh -huh. are telling their own story. They're writing their thoughts, their dreams, their memories, their yeah. experiences, kind of slice of life. Um, and I find that it really helps you reframe your life, your experiences. There's a lot of healing that happens in going back and writing down what's happened to you. And yeah. there's a lot of connection that yeah. happens when you hear other people's 
stories yeah. and the things that we relate to in each other's stories. It's pretty phenomenal. Oh, that is phenomenal. Awesome. Oh, yeah, my goodness. Is it hard sometimes for people to take their story and make it creative? Or I don't think that's the issue yeah. at all. Yeah. I think, um, I think it's people worry about their writing or using the right words or is their writing interesting enough. And I think yeah. that's really beside the point if you write from your heart. Yeah. It doesn't – it comes out in your voice when you start truly writing from the heart. Yeah. And you don't need bigger words. You don't yeah. need more adjectives. You don't need... So it's really not about teaching writing. It's about creating space for people to open up who they are. I love that. It really is. Oh, and everybody, awesome. I mean, everybody has their stories and their experiences. And um, I think people do come in with hang-ups about writing, about not being a good enough writer and yeah. that kind of thing. But I think it's concentrating on the wrong thing completely. Yeah. The question is how... How brave are you? Ooh. How honest are you willing to be? Yeah. That's, those are the real questions. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fantastic. So um, so I had read how you said you love to give people writing prompts, and then you say write <laughs> for 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, can you tell us more about yeah. that? Well, actually, okay, so the 10-minute time frame was born from that first class because mm-hmm. it's what fit into this two-hour structure. <laughs> it's like, okay, okay so... And what fit was for us to all write for 10 minutes each right. and then share, and then for me to give feedback and to do that three times a night. So everybody would have written three times, mm-hmm. 10 minutes at a time. And 10 minutes was a very arbitrary number. Yeah. But I have found that it's much longer than you think. You think 10 minutes, oh, that's nothing. <laughs> right. The stories people write in 10 minutes will blow your mind. Wow. Really. And yeah. you can get so much. I see it as kind of like a brick. Yeah. In the foundation of the house you're building. Yeah. Um, it also makes it so much more manageable mm-hmm. to, to think of writing for 10 minutes rather than saying, okay, you have a day. Just start writing. Or yeah. You have a week, start writing. It's overwhelming. Yeah. yeah. So having 10 minutes, it, it's like just short enough mm-hmm. that we don't feel overwhelmed by it, but just long enough to really create something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I do give one prompt now, but... Funnily enough, I've stopped giving other prompts. Oh, really? And for a very good reason. Yeah. I give one prompt at the beginning of the class, and it's been the same one since 2009. Uh The first prompt is always, right now I am. So it's, where are you in this moment? What's happening with you right now, right here? And I believe everything we want to write about Mm -hmm. is connected to the present moment. One way or another. Fascinating. So if you start where you are, kind of in your body, in your mind, your spirit, your soul, your emotional body right yeah. here, you are going to start opening doors to those places you want to get to. Um, so I stopped giving prompts because I don't want to redirect people from what's arriving naturally and gotcha. organically within the writing. Mm-hmm. And my new motto is trust what comes. Ooh. So I really believe once, okay, our subconscious and our unconscious knows what we need to write about. Right, right. And if I'm telling you to write about your grandma's car, when what's coming up for you is like Mexican wildflowers in the manufacturing with I don't know, I don't want to take people off what's coming up. So the main thing that I think I try to help people do is trust themselves. Yeah. Because we do, we have prompts all the time entering into our consciousness. Right. And we so often throw them out. We're like, not that one. Oh, no, not that one, not that one, not that one. Interesting. And we have a million reasons why we've thrown out. Right. We're embarrassed. 
we're ashamed. We don't think it's interesting enough. We don't see how it's relevant. So we censor ourselves. Yeah, yeah. And we kind of avoid going into that material that's rising up. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But as we learn to trust it, it it does come. And as we trust the process of writing, our writing emerges. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. So this is, yeah, this is very interesting. So this is this is something I find very interesting because I am very much a social writer. That's one yeah. thing. That's one of the things that's different between the two of us. Yeah, that's you, true. Um, so what yeah. is it that you like about running the company of others as opposed to being alone? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, it turns out I really hate writing alone. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> Me too. <Yeah. laughs> I think, and I and I used to really beat myself up about that or give myself a hard time because writers have to be loners right <laughs> they have to right. be like that's the you know yeah. locked away on a mountaintop or in a basement somewhere you know um, but that's always been a real struggle for me and I think what happens is as soon as I start to hit the material that's really the true material it's scary it hurts there's feelings associated with it yeah so I want to jump up and get away from that feeling yeah. And I, then I'm alone with that feeling. So I want to run to the refrigerator and eat food. I want to turn on the TV and watch Netflix. You know, I want to do something else. It's true. And when I'm in a group, mm-hmm. in a community where everyone's doing the same thing, I mm-hmm. feel that protection. Hmm. And I'm not going to get up and run out when everyone's doing the same thing I'm doing. Ah. And when it's only 10 minutes, I know that I can make it through 10 minutes of feeling this intense feeling right. of writing. And it's like you go down deep and then right. you come back up and you get to catch your breath and, and kind of listen to other people who are also going down deep oh. and you're not alone. Um, we also prompt each other. We learn how to write from, you know, they say, if you want to learn how to write, read. Yeah, so true. classes where people are writing and reading aloud, we're learning from each other so much. We're learning what works, yeah. what we're attracted to, what resonates with us. Yeah. And so there's, I also, I see the writing classes like an oven. And if you're trying to cook something uh-huh. and you're in that class, it's like the, the heat goes up. <laughs> it goes up and it's cooking. Right. Yeah. Right. The, and it's the energy of the room. It's the energy of the people. It's everyone doing the same thing at the same time. Yeah. Somehow it just gives me more um, bravery, more courage. Yeah. It makes me stay in my freaking chair instead of getting up to go do something else. Now, see, I can relate to that because I don't – I have trained myself to be able to write alone. And it has – because I had to to be productive. But interestingly enough, and I hear you talk about how you had all of these tools and things to kind of nourish your writing as when you were young. I didn't have that. And I think that's why, to a certain degree, I think I rejected that part of myself. As a, mm-hmm. as a kid, because I started writing short stories when I was 13, oh, wow. but I was, I was an extroverted kid. Yeah. And so there was this um, friction I was feeling where I knew it was a talent, but I did not want to sit in my room and write that. Like, I did not want to do it, which I ended up pursuing journalism, oh, um, oh. which I thought was still pursuing my path. It just honestly just taught me another skill. So it took me till adulthood to come all the way back around and realize it. And it wasn't until a couple years ago when I was in a group, it was a NaNoWriMo group. Yeah. Um, it wasn't until that moment that I realized, oh my God, I'm a social writer because we were in a coffee shop or something 
and we were all talking and we all had our laptops out, but it was different in the sense that I was working and I realized that I, I get filled up by the social presence yes. of other people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like right. even whether we are working, it helps mm-hmm. if I'm working with someone else who's writing. I think that fuels me more. Mm-hmm. But it was just so funny. Where the, it's like the end of like a couple hours, and like one of the girls was like, "Oh my god, I haven't got anything done." I was like, "Really? I did like two thousand words." You know, <laughs> and and it was it was at that moment that I realized. It, but it took me that long, Valley, to figure I it understand. out. I understand because we're not. Um, introduced to the idea of social writing or writing in community. It's seen as a very lonesome, individual, private activity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, It's interesting, too. I'd say in my classes, it's almost 50-50 introverts, extroverts. Yeah, and it's something that comes up from time to time because the extroverts, like us, really feed off having the energy of other people. But the introverts don't actually have to interact with people in that small talk conversation kind of way. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get to go dive deep into their writing and then listen. So it's not like we're chit-chatting. Yeah. It's you get to write and listen. So yeah. the introverts seem to find their safe space within the room as well. Yeah, I would get on your yeah. if we wrote together because you like to be quiet. And totally. I would talk to you the whole time. So we have quiet writing time. Yeah. Right. We have quiet writing time. And then, honestly, oh. no one talks except for me the rest of the class. Oh, and people gotcha. read their work and then I get yeah. feedback. Yeah. Because it's a discipline for us. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. Go for it. Yeah. It is. But yeah. I find that when we just have a group of really attentive, tuned-in listeners, it's yeah. such a gift to the writer who's read their work. Oh, that's awesome. Um, and then I get gentle and strength-based feedback. And everybody mm-hmm. else, when you're not talking back, you're taking it in. So yeah. everybody else is kind of taking in yeah. that story and what worked for them and the prompts they might want to pull out from it from themselves. But I'll tell you, my classes are very talkative before and after. Gotcha. So everybody, gotcha. that's the time. Everybody talks before gotcha. and after. So I would do very well with the before and after, mm-hmm. but during, I would be listening intently. So yeah, that would be, that would be I can carry on the conversation while I write. That's amazing. Which is weird. <laughs> it's really weird. It's like two um, parts of your brain are working at once. It's just, it's strange. Because I used to get together with my friend Lee, who I hope we'll have on yeah. the show. Yeah. Because um, she's a writer. And um, we would go to Stir Crazy and we would write. And, um, I would have my earbuds in and I would take them out and we'd have a conversation and I'd go mm-hmm. back and write and it was just like boom, boom, boom. She's not as much of a social writer. Yeah. I don't think she is a social writer. Um, but those times worked for me and I was more productive. Yeah. Then it'd be interesting to see because yeah, I'm doing like writing marathons right now, but oh, I'm yeah. doing them alone. It'd be interesting oh, to see if I would be able to write faster if I was around other people. Interesting. That is so that is fascinating. I'm, I'm a weirdo. So, no, you know, that's why we named this Sociable Scribes because, you know, yeah. even though it's stereotypical, yeah. like you were saying, Valley, you know, somebody who locks himself up at the top of the mountain or in the right. basement, that's not everybody. You right. know, everybody's no. process is different. Yes. So. It's interesting. Yeah. I love learning it's about neat. everyone else's process. Yeah. It's fascinating. Oh, cool. So, um, so, uh, uh, oh, um, I'm going to jump down here. Okay. So um, I love how you ask people on your website to submit their 10-minute yes. writings. So how many submissions do you receive? Oh, I wish I had been smart enough to start keeping track at oh. the beginning. Because <laughs> now it would be a process of... I mean, I'm going to say it's 
say thousands over the wow. it's almost been five years. Yeah. And, and sometimes we get a deluge, sometimes it's a trickle, but we get a pretty steady flow of writing from awesome. people. Um our guidelines are so different than most literary magazines. Yeah. Um, and that we are very open and very yeah. it's a very gentle publishing process. We love to see variety. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be finished. Right. Um, we want to see something that has truly sprung, kind of raw. Yeah. And, um, and we just have a huge variety of pieces that come up from all over the world. Really cool. Oh, that's amazing. So, I love it. So, so then you take those and you put them into your literary magazine. Yes, the submissions. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. They... It's all online, but we okay, did yeah. do the one anthology where we yeah. had a call for submissions yeah. and called something on the website and made the Nine Lives oh, anthology. We cool. can do it again. Very um, cool. So yeah. I have to tell you, when um, I saw your website and I saw the cover of the book, I was like, I have that book because oh, no. we both know Mike Varner from Carver Printing. Yes. And I guess he oh, worked with Ward. Great. Oh my gosh. And so he gave me a copy of that oh, book and I had no idea. That's and I so was like, cool. it's all horrible. Yeah, it was really so neat. neat. So that's yeah, amazing. that's awesome. So. Uh, you want me to ask that one? Yeah, if you want to. Fine. <laughs> we share um, this is, uh, so, so what do you find, this is a very interesting question, what do you find that writers are um, most afraid of and what do you think they crave the most? Mm -hmm. I think that we're most afraid of exposing ourselves and then getting rejected and mm -hmm. shut down from that exposure. Yeah, I agree. Um, writing is very vulnerable and to, you know, it, getting criticism can really shut down a vulnerable act mm. unless you're very experienced with managing criticism. Right. Um, but I think what writers want most is connection. Yeah. Really, I think uh, writing is a conversation, mm -hmm. either with ourselves, with the world, with our readers, and yeah. to have somebody connect with that writing. Even if it's ourselves, we're connecting with our own writing. And we're going, oh, that's what I think. That's what I believe. That's what how I feel. That's what happened. It helps us um, connect with ourselves and other people. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny. I, I, I mentioned this to, to Kim. And actually, I think I've mentioned on the podcast of being very vulnerable. Yeah. Um, and that um, she edited my book. And um, I was like on pins and needles yes. the whole time. I get it. Because... I mean, not only is it, you know, giving your your hard working manuscript that you put all this time into someone else to read, but Kim is someone who is someone who I respect and I'm like, oh my God, where she thinks I suck. Yeah. You know, like all she's like, Oh my god, I can't believe yeah, you thought all these things. But but I did. Yeah. Um so it, it is, it's like it's I think every writer goes through that. Yeah, it is. I, even if it's fiction. Yeah. Even if it's very far away from the the facts and stories of your life. It's yeah. still coming from somewhere deep inside it you. Is. Mm -hmm. I call writing a process of unzipping. Like we just unzip ourselves oh, down the front and I we feel that. our skin back. Oh, and we just that. so many great metaphors. Everything yeah. that's in there. And it's very, um, and I see listening, well, a group that's listening with mm -hmm. intent yeah. and um, 
respect and, yeah. and are honoring that writer help zip them back up after the work is shared. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, it's like a way of kind of, okay, you've unzipped, now let's put you kind of back together. Oh, that's such a great yeah. way to put it. Yeah. I love that. So, um, so what would be, because I think a lot of our listeners are first-time writers, what would be a piece of advice you would give to a first-time listener? I mean, a first-time writer, sorry. Well, first of all, I think first-time writers are at an advantage ah. because they don't have as much baggage around writing. <laughs> nice! So, I mean, because writing can be, we can build up a lot of self-doubt, yeah. shame, criticism of ourselves around our writing process. So That's if you're true. just starting and you don't have that, yay! Yay! Um, yeah. <laughs> I would say be really gentle with yourself, mm. be loving with yourself. Yeah. Um, as much as you can set aside that editor while, and get your story out and be brave yeah. and courageous and not concentrate on the perfection of the words, but how brave you're willing to be. Oh, I love That's what that. I, would say. I love that. It's really good. So, so the six-word memoir. <gasps> would you be willing to share a little bit with us? Oh, sure. It's not my invention. Oh, it, it's okay. the invention of, um, I think, Smith College. Oh. A long time ago came up with the idea of the six-word memoir. Oh. And, or they at least popularized it based gotcha. on Hemingway wrote, Baby Shoes for Sale Never Worn. Yes. That was oh. kind of, I know. It's so gut-wrenching. It is. <laughs> that was the, that's was kind of the beginning yeah. of that idea of a six-word memoir. Yeah. And so there's a book, actually, that they published um, called Not Quite What I Was Expecting. Ah. And six-word memoirs by writers famous and obscure. Oh, and it's wow. just, it's a, it's, it's a whole thing. You can yeah. look up um, websites that are full of six-word memoirs. They're great. Oh, I mean, they're... Amazing. Cool. Yeah. They're really, they're fun. I, and it's kind of like writing a poem or a haiku where there's yeah. just that it's concise, it's satisfying. You see how much you can pack in and yeah. as little space as possible. Hmm. I love doing them with kids, adults. I mean, they're fun. Oh, they're that's really fun. awesome. Can you yeah. do one on the spot? <laughs> oh, did I put you in? I did. No pressure. No pressure. No pressure. Sure. Let's start counting on my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. She's oh counting gosh. on her fingers. She's literally counting on her <laughs> fingers. Yeah. So. No pressure. And I'm going to challenge the two of us to do it, too. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're putting you on the spot, Valley, we should put ourselves on the spot, too. I'm almost there. Okay, good deal. I'm just loving, guys. She's, like, counting on her fingers. She's getting it straight. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, no. Dally, be yeah. vulnerable. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Right, 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 right. <laughs> Sociable scribes share secrets and more. Oh, love it. Oh, oh that's good. Thank you. Okay. That's awesome. Oh, which one? I gotta do it on the spot. Oh, 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 oh yeah. I think you should go first. Oh, I know. Oh, you did. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Let's see. Um, I think you should go first. This is a six word no more. Ah! Did I do it? Yeah, I just did it. <laughs> well done, y'all. Okay. Um, loud girl on the spot. Yikes! <laughs> oh, 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was fun. That was really fun. Valley, thank you so thank much. You. This was fun. This thank was a blast. Yeah, so, so this was fantastic. So fun. Valley was amazing. Isn't she fantastic? She really is. I love, I love the way she kind of broke down the process of um, being vulnerable. Yes. And um, I never looked at creative nonfiction in the way that she described it. Yeah. It was so cool. I thought that was so neat. I was really fascinated with what y'all were talking about, the group process of, of do you write better when you're with other people versus being alone yes and then she said it's 50 50 introverts and extroverts that yes. she gets that's so cool so yeah. there are more people emerging like us exactly <laughs> you're not the only sociable scribe yes. yay which is amazing so that's fantastic um, i i think she was a queen of metaphors she had so many yes. amazing metaphors my favorite was her describing writing as a process of unzipping yourself. Yes. And then when someone reads and receives, because, you know, we thrive on um, that connection that she talked yeah. about, being zipped back up. I, I love that. I love that. That was a beautiful. That's fantastic. Because writing does come from such a personal place. Mm -hmm. If you just leave yourself, quote, unquote, unzipped, you know, you're walking around vulnerable. You, you, you kind of need that feedback in order to put yourself back together again. Yeah, you know, it's, absolutely. it's an intense process. But yeah, she had fantastic metaphors. And oh gosh, the story she had about Waffle House. And can you imagine all the ones she has about being a log cabin girl? Oh my God. <laughs> She's done some interesting things throughout her life. She really has. It's so fascinating. But yeah. I think what comes through so strongly is her. Um, empathy and her support and her caring I, I imagine her students feel extremely supported and 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 having that like she said she holds space for them yeah I'm sure having that sort of um, uh, feeling of comfort or having that space held for you allows them to unzip yeah and I think it helped which is you know I'm, I'm a little envious of her for being able to embrace the writer within at such a young age yeah. and to be in a place, you know, to be in a place where she was able to really nurture that gift yeah. um, and really helped her blossom um, as she grew and she matured, which is helping her be able to feed back into other people. Yeah. That's just amazing. Most definitely. And, um, and from my viewpoint, I thought it was really interesting that she had that big pivot in 2008 where she was working for Style Weekly. And then, you know, that was a time when a lot of stuff in the um, uh, economy went boom. Yep. And so for her to go out of necessity, but go, I'm going to lean on what I really love to do, I always find it so fascinating when people um, realize that they, they, they have a dream that they want to do, but maybe they don't get to realize it until their back's against the wall. And they're yep. like, I've got nothing to lose. I'm going to go for it. And Look how beautifully it worked out for her. I mean, really. So, it's amazing. Yeah. So, oh, she's just incredible. She really we need to take one of her classes. I agree. Oh, that would be super and, fun. And do some more six six word memoirs. Six word six word memoirs. Oh my god. I did you. <laughs> did I put you on the spot too much with that? <laughs>
I thought it was only fair since she had to do it. It was fun. It was fun. So thanks so much, you guys, for listening to us. Yes. And please feel free to tune in, leave us a review, and check us out on our Facebook page, Social Scribes. Absolutely. And take 10 minutes today and write something. You'll be amazed. Uh, yes. Thanks for listening to the Sociable Scribes podcast. Don't forget to tune in next week to learn more amazing tips on writing and publishing. And if you like this podcast, please leave us a review and share it with a friend.